Welcome to the Process Podcast. From new agent to broker owner. My name is Travis Lenore. This is my co-host, Preston Guyton. Welcome to the Process Podcast. This is Travis McClure, my co-host, Preston Guyton. Preston, how are you doing today, sir? Good, man. Doing good. Preston, I'm excited for our guest today. Her name is Deborah Razzo. She's the founder of the Women's Real Estate Network. She's an entrepreneur. And from a couple of conversations I've had with Deborah, I can tell right away she's just a good all-around human being. Deborah, how are you doing today? Thank you. I love the good all-around human being. Thank you, Travis. Nice to meet you, Preston. Yeah, but I gotta say one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast is I was usually when we have a guest like you, I do a little like pre-discovery call with somebody and get to know them a little bit. And I, it's usually one of my favorite parts of it because we spent some time on the phone and I got to really like know yeah. you as a human being and I really enjoyed our conversation. I think we are each other's people, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that you meet and you're like, oh, we have the same ideas about moving forward, about, you know, making, making our dreams happen, all that kind of stuff. So that's nice. Deborah, tell us your story of how you got into this crazy world we all call real estate. <sighs> what, what led you down that path? Right. Yeah. I mean, I am going to say, cause I have had a crazy real estate week. <laughs> So sometimes you question, what is it that makes you, you know, go down this path? And I'll tell you, it 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 was um it was actually kind of a an opportunity in my life to start over. I think we've all had times in our lives when we ha had to start over. Like for some people, it might be a divorce or the death of a loved one. And for me, it was a car accident. Mm -hmm. um, about 13 years ago, I was a passenger in an SUV whose black tire blew, right? Just a blown tire. But we ended up in the dirt and the tire, the rim of the car went right into the dirt and it flipped. And it flipped driver's side first, so I got crushed. And um, I was air back to the hospital and told I had a broken neck. And it was just one of those pivoting points in my life, right? It took me about a year to heal. And during that year, I had a lot of time to think, you know, and um, I was living a great life. I was already an entrepreneur, but the truth of the matter was I, um, I really had made myself a job. You know, I didn't have a lot of spare time, even though I've got into being an entrepreneur because I thought I was going to have all this time flexibility, right? <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, I, this isn't working out how I wanted it to work out. And, you know, when you're faced with the whole thing that life is short, you're like very motivated to make some changes. And that's what I did. I, I was like, I want to have more freedoms in my life. I want to travel the world. I, I want to show my children that you can do anything you set your mind to, right? And so I started on this journey and the journey started by Googling passive income. I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> I Googled passive income and all kinds of things came up, right? Royalties, but real estate kept coming up. And I was like, I, you know, I had read the little purple book, you know, God bless, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I had read it and I was like, I need that passive income. I want that mailbox money. And so um, after the doctor signed off on me, it, it, was, it was about a little over a year. I um, started on my education journey to find out more about real estate, but in all honesty, I, I don't think anybody could have told me back then, really what I did is I started on my mindset journey. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. because I had changes to make up here before I could make any changes out in the world. And that's when I started, I, I started going to the Tony Robbins events. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I was going to all the events and um, I, you know, now several years later, I actually work for him. I help other people make their transitions, which is really, uh, really enjoyable, really great. But at the time I was making my transition, you know, and I was trying to figure out how to get that life that I really wanted. And if there's anything I know about real estate is two things, which is one, it it starts in your head, right? It starts in the possibilities, opening up the possibilities of what's available to you. And secondly, if you learn anything from the ultra wealthy is that money is made in real estate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think that money is everything, but I do want to be rich. I want to be time rich and energy rich. And yeah, I'd like some money as well, you know, but, but it's the whole package to me and real estate has that ability to give it to you. But, you know, for me, I had to go on this journey of not only real estate education, but mindset education. And so that's how everything kind of came to be, you know, I love that about your story. Uh, when we, even when we uh, spoke last week, Deborah, the fact that you viewed as kind of, your mindset is like your foundation. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't put that first. You know, it's like the, building the house on dirt. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. really, and I think that your connection to the Tony Rob, Tony Robbins and his programs, that's a that's actually a really important thing where I think, you know, Preston and I talk about it, even just something simple as making calls every day. If your mindset is not right around that, people sends that through the phone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's really just starting, starting the groundwork of understanding that something is possible to you. I don't know your, you guys' background, but both I'm first generation American, right? Both my parents were immigrants. You know, I was very much taught, keep your head down, work hard, pay your bills. (laughs) You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I think that was, you know, like this was the beginning of me even thinking that the lifestyle that I wanted was possible to me. And, you know, you have to start believing in that first (laughs) before you start actually making changes in the world, you know? So I think, I think the other cool concept too, is really you looked at investing first, but I think it's, it's, and I've seen other people I know and have been friends with and even had opportunities myself where real estate does lead you to where you can go from being employee to business owner to investor, right? And it leads you down that path. You said you, you looked at investment. Why, why'd you make the choice to then become real estate agent? What, what brought you down that path? Oh, wow. Yeah. So my journeys varied like a lot of people in real estate, you know, shiny object syndrome is real, <laughs> right? Um, so I didn't have much money and I knew I wanted passive income, right? I, I knew that was my outcome because from, you know, that year of recovery, that's what I wanted. I'm like, I want that flexibility. I want that freedom. I want that passive income. But I knew I had to have money to be able to invest in some passive stuff. So I started flipping in Los Angeles and um, and then I would take that money and I invested in buy and holds. I ended up um, investing in the Memphis market. So I have a small I have I still have a small portfolio of single families in the Memphis market. And um, and then as my skill sets grew, um, I started um, developing as well and investing in multifamily. Um, but along the way, um, 
I would have, you know, some great years and some okay years. And I had a great, I had an okay year one year. And my accountant was like, what, you know, why aren't you getting your agent's license? You're leaving a bunch of money on the table by having, you know, other agents represent you in the flips that you're doing. And, and I was, and I had, I had thought about getting my agent's license, but it was just one more thing, one more to do to add to my list. But then when I actually figured out the numbers, I was like, wow, you're right. You know, I'm leaving a bunch of money on the table and it's already things that I already know how to do, mm -hmm. you know? And that's one of the things that I think is really interesting. There are so many agents out there. They have their hands on the pulse of real estate mm -hmm. and they're not investing. Right. <laughs> and I mean, that's one of the, you know, one of my things that I preach is like, why are you guys not investing? Yep. <laughs> you know? You're absolutely right. You know, it, it's, it's, it's yet another way to make your already great education work for you. Mm -hmm. So that's how I started that I got, I, I decided to get my agent's license and, and then I started, you know, selling my own products. And now I, I also help other people do sell, you know, their, their houses as well too. Um, but mostly I'm, I, I, I do my own stuff. Now, when you're in, um, so, like you said, Memphis, like at out-of-state <laughs> markets, what do you just do? Referrals with real estate agents or companies there? Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I was in Memphis before I got my license. And so all my contacts in Memphis uh, pretty much have uh, licenses, you know, because I was buying from people there. I was using property managers there. So all my contacts there already have that. So it was really easy to refer people you're already doing business with because you know them, you know, it's that whole no like and trust thing, you know? Yeah. Deborah, talk about REN, the, the Women's Real Estate yeah. Network. What led to that? What what made yeah. you found that and start that that organization? Oh, I guess what leads to anything I do, I was frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was flipping at a time when all the big, um, big Blackstone and big funds were coming into Los Angeles and they were scooping up um, a lot of the rehabs at, at auction at every place. And I was having a really hard time securing um a prop, you know, new properties. And the truth is like at that, you know, at that time I didn't have my own construction crew. I was still using hard money. I mean, people with bigger, you know, bigger pockets and their own construction crew could outbid me really easily, you know? So yeah. I was losing all the bids. And if there's anything, you know, I can say is that real estate can be kind of mentally taxing. Yeah. <laughs> so like, okay. when, you're, when you're putting in offer after offer after offer, and you're not getting anything, it gets frustrating. And I was just really frustrated. And, you know, I was still going to all the real estate club meetings, but I was feeling the need to be surrounded by my girls, you know, like I was like, where are all the women, you know? And the fact of the matter is I had met a lot of really great women along the way. And I just decided to get them together for a brunch one Sunday. And sure enough, like when women come together around brunch and champagne, we all start helping each other. I need a, you know, I need a foundation guy. I have a foundation guy. I need an attorney. I have an attorney. You know, we're all just collaborating and we're all telling each other what we, what we're going through. And at the end of that brunch, I said, Hey, you guys want to do this quarterly? And they were like, no, let's do it every other month. And so we started opening up our homes and Sure enough, there's always wine involved. And, you know, we would just talk to each other about what we were going through. And at one point I realized I got to meet and know these incredible women, 
but there was a whole lot of other women that don't get to know them. And so I thought, all right, let's start a meetup and I'll have these women come in and speak. And we'll talk about their business models because not all of them were flippers. Some of them, there's two women that own like 18 storage units. There's women that are note holders. There's what, you know, it, it, it was a variety of women. So um, they came in and started speaking. And then, um, and then somebody said, I want to open a chapter here and I want to open a chapter there. And it just grew. It just grew. And the truth of the matter is, you know, we identify with who's in the front of the room. And most of the time at real estate clubs, it's men in front of the room, you know. Um, but when there is a woman in front of the room and she's doing what I want to do, I can identify with her and go, wow, she's doing it. I can do it. Right. Yeah. It opens up that possibility again. And I think that's why Ren grew so quickly. And um, and then, of course, COVID hit. <laughs> we were ha we were all in person, you know, and then COVID hit and we're all online now. But um, and we're still now we're just starting to go back out to be in person again. But um, it's you know, it's incredible network to be able to be with like minded people, you know, and, and that are juggling the same things you're juggling. Right. How many chapters are there now? Eleven. Eleven chapters. Yeah. Shifting gears back to the real estate investment side of it, Deborah. Let's say I'm, a, I'm an agent. I'm listening to this. I agree 100% as agents should of, hey, you know what? I, I you, your, verb, your words is, you know, I have my finger on the pulse of the real estate industry. What should I look for in an investment property as a realtor? What's important to you when you look for? You know, um, it's interesting. I've, I've given this piece of advice to a lot of agents. Like, first of all, um, if a lot of the agents that I know that are interested in investing are usually representing investors, which I think is very interesting. You know, like you already are, are seeing what this investor is doing and how they're coming in and, and you're, you're, you're getting an idea of how they're making money. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they already have those kind of relationships, you know, why not offer to partner or offer, you know, ask if you can shadow them, right? Find out what they're looking for, you know? You already know a little bit about how they're run running numbers. Ask if they'll share that with you. You know, I know that when I'm looking for flips, I'll share my spreadsheets with my agents because I want them to see what kind of spread I need, you know? I mean, so that we're both on the same page with how that has to work, right? So, you know, I think that... I I, th I know as an investor, we find agents really valuable to us. You know, if you've got an agent that understands what you're looking for and because we're multiple buyers, you know, you can just make that commission again and again and again. But if you want to flip the switch and get over to the investor side, you also have that entryway to knowing somebody that could guide you in that. Right. So, I mean, that's my advice. Yeah. What uh, trends are you seeing in the investment real estate side? Obviously, the market's gotten weird over the past, the best, my best word to describe it, over the past couple of months, right? Uh, even yeah. in the past couple of years. What yeah. trends are you seeing right now in investment real estate? Um, you know, uh, the trends are varying. And I'll, because I'll, I, I have a, you know, like kind of a, flipping flipping side developing side and then i also have the buy and hold side to me right so the buy on the buy and hold side rents are really strong right so if you can get off market deals in multifamily um you know 
and you can, um, or do some kind of value add on the multifamily side, you've got a really good opportunity there because rents are so strong and there's no predictors that are saying rents are going to weaken anytime soon. Right. Um, as far as, you know, the flipping side of things, um, a trend here in, in, in California has been to add, um, space, you know, that with the housing shortage, they've become really aggressive with a building, um, with allowing building permits on auxiliary dwelling units, guest houses, you know, and a lot of people are taking those guest houses, renting them out, making them short-term rentals or midterm rentals. And, you know, it's adding a lot of value to that property, whether you want to hold it or whether you want to flip it, you know, you're still adding square footage and usable space. So it's a, been a pretty viable option as long as you have a property who's lot is big enough and you know the um the the city itself is in support of you building those kind of things um but those are the those are the trends that i've been seeing you know in those two ways <laughs> yeah do you in in your area do you see a lot of like a lot of governments that control the rentals is in our area so we're, you know southeast we have a lot of markets that, that allow short-term or allow long-term? I'm just curious on, you know, where you're at. Do you see a lot of that as well? Yeah, we do. And, you know, um, and it's changing all the time. So you really have to stay up to date with it because, you know, some place where you could have done an Airbnb is now got limitations on it because they only want 30 days or more as a renter, you know? So you've really got to um, stay on top of that as well as we've got rent control areas too. You know, so really it's, um, you know, your due diligence and picking the areas that you're, that you're going to, you know, invest in and that you're going to, you know, what, whatever the outcome is, whatever the end game is, is going to be acceptable in that area. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we've seen that too in like markets. I think Raleigh, North Carolina was a market where they tried to do away totally with Airbnb and like a part of the city. Right. And then you know, they it's ended up allowing it again because I'm sure Airbnb is something that their legal team is, you know, whenever something like that happens, they probably find and show other people are renting, you know, other companies are renting. So it's, I know that's a challenge for sure. Well, and it's hard to work against a city, right? I mean, we have certain areas here where even though like our whole state is supposed to be um, for building auxiliary dwelling units, there are certain cities that you are going to wait a long time before you build one. <laughs> and it's like, you know, nobody can wait that long, <laughs> you know? So you really have to do your diligence in picking the right places to do, you know, to do whatever it is your outcome is, you know, whether it's short-term rental or, you know, an ADU. Yeah. I mean, that's permitting in general. Like I used to own a construction company and what, you know, we used to be able to get a permit in a week or two. And now I was talking to some of them. Now they're waiting 60 days, 75 days on a permit. And I think that's across the country, right? That whether whatever you were, you know, three or four years ago, the permitting process has become so much longer, you know, with zoning requirements and restrictions and everything. Like you said, that stuff changes all the time and it's, you got to stay on top of it. And for us, our, you know, our County is not a big, they say they put the information out there for you to know, but it's, they don't make it as easy to find as, as they should. Right. And when you're paying holding costs on something like that, you really have to factor it in, you know? So, you know, and for me, you know, Los Angeles is an expensive market. If I'm paying holding costs, that's, that's a lot of money. 
So I, I have to really like be careful about being in a city that's really amenable and hopefully, you know, quick. What markets are you seeing right now? I know you kind of look across the country quite a bit. What markets are you seeing a lot of investing in or, or investment deals per se right now? Right. Um, you know, I, I still love the middle America markets. I think they're great. They're solid. You know, um, it, I, I've had a lot of luck in Memphis. I, I, I get solid renters in and it's been a wonderful experience for me. I've also been in, um, Texas in, in Houston and in Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix is one of those markets that has blown up and I was really glad I got into it a few years ago. Right now I'm like, okay, you know, is it going to, is it, is it gotten overexposed now? Right. I'm not sure. Um, and then as far as like long-term investing, I'm, I'm actually started investing a little bit in Puerto Rico. Um, Puerto Rico has some incredible tax incentives there for investors. And um, the dynamic of Puerto Rico is changing because it also has some tax incentives for um, people who want to move there. Um, but for the people that want to move there, um, there's a limit that, you know, you can pay anywhere from zero to 4% in taxes. So if you are um, making, you know, a lot of money, ultra wealthy are moving there, right? The crypto Kings are moving there, you know, that there's a lot of people moving there, but along with them comes development and comes needs, right? Um, and Puerto Rico has some tax incentives that are like, you can apply for that'll help you reimburse you up to 40% on your purchase price and your rehab costs. Wow. Well, if you're, if you're, if you're making cash flow already and, and not, and, and, and you haven't even gotten that 40% back, you're really doing well when you get the 40% back. So it's, it's a really incredible market. And, um, because I, you know, I used to kind of curse this, I I'm in LA, I'm flipping, I, I you know, like I was a young investor and I'm like, Oh, I, I'll just get a rental around the corner. I mean, because that's what I thought, you know, people want to yeah. see and touch what they own. Right. <laughs> right. But when I find out, like, I can't even make something cash flow in Los Angeles, you know, and then I had to, I had, I had to move outside of my comfort zone to get something to cash flow, which I ended up moving into Memphis. So, but I realized like mentally, that was a whole big shift for me. Right. Like I was like, wow, how is that going to work? Well, then once I made that work, I realized how to make that work. And now investing further away from myself is not, you know, not hard, not as hard anymore. Let me ask you this, because I find that really interesting when you buy, say, a property in Puerto Rico, right? And it's a rehab or something like that. Do you physically go there put your put your eyes on it and get get a feel for what this property needs? Or do you have trust? and an agent that you work with in these other markets that, Hey, this is something I can make work. Right. So the properties I'm buying in Puerto Rico are bigger. So mm -hmm. I do like to see them yeah. um, multifamily. So, um, and I also have partners that are boots on the ground. Good. So I have that. Have I bought something just from looking at it online? Yes. It's been single family and in Memphis, you know, but I had already been into that market. I knew that area. You know what I mean? Like, so, and I had somebody I, I trusted guiding me, right? I, I think it would be really hard for me to just pick something out of nowhere that I have never been. But I know investors that do that and are successful. 
<laughs> I'm just not at that comfort level yet. <laughs> yeah. That's why I ask. I mean, we get them sometimes here. I hear stories from our agents all the time. You know, Hey, someone just called me and asked me to write an offer on this property, you know, sight unseen. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens all the time. So I had to ask once, once you yeah. started mentioning the other markets. So with Puerto Rico, do they re- like, I know some countries will require like part owner to be a citizen there. Does Puerto Rico require that or not? Yeah, you know, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. So they're on U.S. currency. You don't need a passport to go there. They've got Home Depot and Ikea, which is yeah. where, which are my two staples. <laughs> Their banking system is a little different. Um, they don't have um, franchise banks, in, uh, same as the U.S. Um, so they have their own banking system there. But, you know, f- for me, it, it you know, it's not, it's like, it's not really out, out of country investing for me, you know, I mean, cause, um, cause it has so many similar things, which was a, a bonus, you know. Deborah, from the rent standpoint, I know we talked about investing and what the market uh, has done to investing and, and the trends that you're seeing, what kind of trends are you seeing uh, among Ren with the I- market? Well, I don't know. I'm going to ask you guys, are you seeing a lot more women entering real estate investing? <laughs> Cause I am, <laughs> I yeah. mean, and I can say this because I used to be one of the, you know, like I was one of the first women's investment networks. Now there are several that are nationwide, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a growing momentum, you know, um, I think women are, you know, I, and we have all kinds of women that, you know, participate in REN. Some of them are at-home moms that are looking to make some investments so that their families can have great vacations in the summer or whatever. And some of them are single moms that are looking, they have to provide everything, right? So it's, it's a real spectrum about, you know, the women that are investing. I think there's some trends within women investors. Um, statistically, believe it or not, we actually do better than men uh, as far as returns go. But statistically, we don't offer as much. Men are have a little more confidence than us, I think, in that area. They're, you're a little more willing to dive into things that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And um, women, you know, have a ha- have a tendency to hold back a little bit, especially when the price tag gets a little high. So um, in our organization, we talk about that. And, you know, we say we lend each other our confidence, right? Because that's what women need to be able to invest. So I don't know, you know, if you have wives or sisters or mothers that are looking to invest, but it's great to be in a community where we're all supportive of each other that way. And, um, and that's what's been happening for us. And there, I, you know, nationally, I, I've seen it change and there's a lot more women getting into the investing community, a lot more couples, you know, even, right? So finding a way to match, you know, maybe the the confidence of somebody going out there and, and, and doing the, um, doing the, um, the actual offers and everything, but, you know, whether you're turning it into a flip or whether you're, you know, decorating an Airbnb, there's the creativity and the collaboration that a woman brings to the, the, you know, to the opportunity. So it's different. (laughs) I I think in just in general, I've noticed, you know, since we've been in this office, we have a, a very lively office environment. And I think coming out of COVID, People got sick of working from home a little bit. I think. I think the trend is. Pe- I've noticed in this past six months, I've noticed way more people in a, our office than the previous offices I've worked in. I think people are excited about going to events and gathering as people again, right? And I think you're going to see more. And my, this is just my opinion and what I see. I think you're going to see more and more people wanting to get involved and be social because we really couldn't 
for the better part of two years, right? And I think people are excited about doing that again. Yeah, and we're seeing too, like the, uh, you know, so, so the, the, who we coach with, there's a lot of other real estate um, agents teams across the country. And there's a lady actually in that, Veronica, she's in, um, I think she's in Orlando market, but she's actually, her and her husband are buying investment properties now. And they've bought, I think, two in Puerto Rico. And uh, so anyway, yeah, starting to see a lot of that, a lot of women inside of our, or the coaching environment we're in because it's teams across the country. And I see a lot of the women that are part of that sharing investment, you know, things they're buying themselves. And, and so I definitely see a lot more women getting involved in investing in real estate for sure. Sure. Well, Deborah, if people want to contact you, let's say they have questions about rent, questions about investing or coaching, whatever it is, what's the best way for somebody listening to this to contact you? Yeah. So for Ren, it's um, reninspires.com. And um, that's our, that's our website. That's our Facebook. That's our Instagram. <laughs> Ren inspires everywhere. And if you want to just contact me, I'm at deborahrazzo.com. You can uh, reach out to me there and find out what I have going on. So thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. You've been a great guest. I appreciate you. If you've enjoyed the episode, make sure you click like and subscribe. We always appreciate you listening to the process. Have a great rest of your day and have a great week. Why?